And so, um, long story short, my parents didn't completely know about all of the heroin, but they definitely wanted to get me away from the relationship. So my mom kind of half-jokingly said, well, why don't you go and spend some time with your uncle in Florida and get away from here? In other words, get away from him. And Not I me. was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, you know what? Sure. Like, if you will buy me a plane ticket, I'll leave tomorrow. And she was kind of shocked that I was completely serious. And so two weeks later, I was on a plane to Florida. And when I got to Florida, I ended up confiding in my uncle, who um, is actually a pastor. I ended up confiding in him, you know, about everything that was going on and telling him, like, that basically I was done and that I was so miserable. I just wanted, I just wanted out of it. I was desperate at that point. And he told me, you know, sweetheart, he's like, I really want to help you, but I don't know how. Do you trust me to go and get help for you? And I said, okay. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I was going to the Agape home for a year and a half. <laughs> and what happened there? Uh, the Agape Home honestly really changed my life. I, uh, before going to the Agape Home, I had no idea what it meant to have a relationship with God. I knew about God. I'd grown up hearing about God, but my idea with God is always that kind of that guy in the clouds with a gavel. It's kind of like, rawr. <laughs> so I was always kind of like, I guess, kind of afraid of him and kind of like didn't really even know. And then... When I got to the Agape Home, they taught me about, like, journaling and quiet time and actually talking to God and having a relationship with God and what God's love was like and all kinds of healing and praying through stuff, kind of like with the freedom teams we have here, lots and lots of freedom. And honestly, my parents, when everything was said and done, said that they felt like they got the little girl that I was back when I was in third grade back again. Come on, say hallelujah. 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 Now, Diane didn't know if she was going to be able to be here this morning, so she sent me this text. I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going to say it, it was at Agape Home that I learned who I truly was, a daughter of God and not a drug addict. I opened my heart to God and got saved. She went on to say, I, you know, and, and she thanks a lots of people. Where I think this is, ends up as a Facebook post so that to dwelling place. So. She said, and now where I'm at is I have a heart to share the love of Jesus by seeing people in faith and loving them where they're at, like I was. I've had moments of weakness where I could have easily gone back to my old life, but, but, and I'm just reading this word for word, but because of people in this church body who never gave up on me, I'm still here. Come on, come on. You know... There's, you know, I, I had a reason for bringing these lovely ladies up here. And Stacy's, I'm just making sure Stacy's not here. Stacy Long. These are ladies who made it step. Now, I didn't know this was going to be the, I don't know that the prophetesses knew that that's what they were going to say. And I don't, you know, Amy and I didn't have some communication about songs and testimonies. And so that's the Lord. This is an example of, of people of God who stepped. Diane even said in her testimony, I had to make a choice to go somewhere where I didn't know anyone and I didn't know anything. <laughs> and I made that step. And the, the most interesting thing is, is that when Diane, in this testimony, Diane says, and when I moved here, I had to take the same exact step. Yeah. I had to leave a home of 14 months of freedom 
of safety, of security, and goes someplace trusting the Lord to come here. And, and I just, I, I think it's just, it's just the Lord that he orders. Some of you that raised your hands, I'm just, I go like this right here. Like this is you. This, this, this is the blessing of the Lord. Women who took steps of, of faith and freedom, not of fear. Now, you might, didn't mean that you weren't scared, but you grabbed a hold of the Lord. And, man, these are two women prospering in the kingdom of God. Come on. He said to me, as I was, I was praying about this in Isaiah 62, 2, it says, Nations will see your righteousness, all kings your glory, and you're going to be called a new name. When we look at you, we don't. We don't see seven years ago. We don't see ten years ago. We see today, which is the beauty of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. And so you might say, so whoa, 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 you got me all confused. The Lord, the Lord ordered, the, ordered the day. And in this testimony, we have an opportunity today to sow into Agape Home. They mentioned Agape Home. Agape Home is a, a women's regeneration ministry. We happen to get to house a men's regeneration ministry. Many of you know Bev Taylor. She's down there serving at Agape Home. But today, as our spotlight on missions, as a place of um, giving freedom, we get to sow into Agape Home. Lord, I ask that you touch our hearts. Allow us this opportunity to, to speak so give. Invest in the kingdom. Invest in Christina's and Stacy's and Diane's, that you're preparing to come and impact us. <laughs> women that you're, you are preparing to be moms. Women who you're preparing to be leaders in their churches and in their workplaces. Women that are going to hail freedom of Christ Jesus to this nation and in this world. We thank you we get this opportunity to invest in them. Invest in them. Amen? Oh, he's passing the basket. Baskets. Just wanted to get us focused on the message today. Um, boy, I, I look at those two girls. You know, Christine's going to move into our basement this summer, one of our rooms in our basement this summer, and, you know, and I haven't got the good Diane as well as I'd like to, but just the beauty of the Lord, you know, and, and you say, they used to be involved with drugs? No way. And that's the healing power of Jesus. Amen? Well, we're going to continue in the, in the uh, series on kingdom. Um, kingdom. Uh, Mitch and I are both going to be sharing this morning. You got a couple hours, don't you? No, no, we're splitting it up. <laughs> it's a lot harder to, pre to prepare for half a sermon, by the way. Anyway, um, but you know, the, the, we're going to be talking about relationships in the kingdom. Now, no matter who we are, we're going to have to deal with somebody else. I don't care how much of an introvert you are, you will have to deal with somebody else. And the thing is, if we get our relationships in the proper order, there is so much freedom. There is so much joy. And life will look a whole lot different. Just like it did for these young girls that went through Agape Home. 
Mitch is going to start us off with talking about the relationship of the king. Oh, you got that? Hello, there we go. <laughs> New equipment this morning, so we're just turning out for the first time. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I talked about this uh, inside, outside, upside down kingdom. Um, it was really funny. Uh, t- uh, Rick and Tulio and myself had gotten in a uh, kind of a text, texting back and forth because he was gone that weekend. And of course, uh, Tulio said, uh, or Rick had asked, you know, how did the how the Sunday go? He said the only thing that Rick, I mean, uh, Tulio texted back to Rick was, "Well, Mitch took off his shirt and um, and he talked about a message on ketchup." So I was like, "Well, that's great." Well, um, so if you did. If you didn't get that message, the reality was I, I had a shirt. I still have a shirt underneath, right? Um, but you remember that last time I did this, I have, took off my shirt. But if you weren't here, basically because we were talking about the... Oh, no, I'm not doing that. Actually, I am hooked. All right, I took my shirt off, flipped it inside out because why? Obviously, it looked different. Um, it was everybody... If I'd have had my shirt on inside out, everybody coming in here would have been like, Man, I wonder, did Leah realize he went out the door with the shirt on backers, right? Because it's very obvious how that works, right? How we get so trained to what is real. And then we talked about, you know, the upside downness. I brought another, the, the, the ketchup bottle, right? The, this, the ketchup bottle for Heinz, they came out with this, what? Upside down ketchup bottle. Glorious invention. I just... I'm just mad that I cannot get to these inventions before the other people. And then I had gotten about four or five text messages about uh, ketchup that week, which was kind of funny. They sent me the Hunt's bottle that had the upside down one too, but the reality is it's the contents inside the bottle (laughs) that really make the ketchup. But the cool part is that this works better upside down. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I like squeezing like this right away. And I don't have to wait for it to especially when it gets to the end of the bottle. I don't have to wait for it to all come down. But we were talking about the inside, outside, upside down kingdom, and it's a kingdom that who, who has anybody in here that has great value ketchup in their refrigerator? Anybody? All right. I'm, I'm giving this to you because <laughs> you, need, you, need, you need some redemption in your, in your, in your refrigerator. Heinz by far. <laughs> I made the joke last week, the last time I talked, that it was very, like, my, my ability to, uh, you know, be very stewardship-oriented with my money. I usually go cheaper, but not on ketchup, so <laughs> don't go cheap on ketchup, high the best. But anyway, you know, it's the inside, outside, upside down kingdom, because I've got to start thinking about relationships. We're going to talk about relationships, because the kingdom of God is built on relationships. You can't, like just Mark said, you can't get away from them. Like, you either go, you know. You go home to them, you work with them, you, you live with them, you're, you're around relationships. So, but the kingdom of God is built on that. 
And as much as it's interesting, because I watch a society, and I watch nowadays that it's become more uh, secluded, more introvert, more, not, not the introvert's bad, maybe I should say, more isolated, that's a better word. It's not about introvert or extrovert, it's, it's isolated. You know, I see, a, I see a society becoming very isolated, very, uh, you know, I, I can withdraw to my phone and have a great relationship with a phone that, and I can find out about every, I can be that Facebook stalker out there and I can be, you know, every, I can feel like I have relationship and not have relationship. My wife tells me uh, very often, you know, when I think everything's going well, and all of a sudden I realize, man, this relationship, I thought it was going well. She's, it's not it's going so well. So there's a reality. Sometimes I can feel like I'm having a relationship when I'm not really having a relationship. Sometimes I don't even know how that, how that works. And sometimes we can get disillusioned in that. We talked about that kind of last, that last time I talked, but disillusioned in that because uh, sometimes... It's that inside-outside, upside-downness of the kingdom that I've got to begin to think. I've got to think that way. I've got to think like the king. I've got to think relationships, body of Christ. I've got to uh, begin to walk in that. And so the first one we're going to do, and then I'm going to turn it over to Mark to talk about the other two more, and then I'll come back. But um, just about our relationship with God. It was really um, interesting. I shared this passage last time. You know, when evening came, go, well, that, that, obviously that's our, go on to the next one. You know, when evening had already come, because it was a preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, this Joseph of Arimathea, uh, they don't even know where that's at, actually, which is kind of funny. Um, he, I just lost my phone, uh, came, a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And I shared these several questions on the next, next page. You know, this is a guy that was waiting for the kingdom of God. He was in the, of the council. He was a Sanhedrin. He was like a secret disciple of Christ. But he was waiting for the kingdom of God. And I posed these questions. Am I waiting, longing for the kingdom of God? Waiting in English is a really bad word because our wait in our society is do what? Yeah. It's just very passive. Like that word wait in the Greek, it never passive. It's, it's the Greek, you know, those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. Y'all know that scripture? You know what that word, the word picture for that? Is? You bind together by twisting. Like, like you, are, you bind yourself to the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind. That's not passive whatsoever. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is pursuing, really. Uh, we just don't have a great translation for that word. Will I recognize it when I find the kingdom? That's a good question. And how am I preparing for it? So in relationship to today, go on to the next one. It's just these questions that I thought, of, that I thought the Lord was asking. Am I waiting, longing for, seeking after the kingdom of God in this area of relationships? Will I recognize the kingdom of God in the relationships of my life, God, family, body of Christ? And am I preparing my life to embrace and walk in the relationships that the Lord has for me? And so, you know, we're... You know, we kind of talk, started like this whole thing about growing, giving, connecting in the, in the body. It's kind of our, the mission of how to carry out the vision of, you know, making a difference by what? Embracing God's heart and pursuing his presence. How am I going to do that? How am I, I mean, that's a great, uh, it's a great vision, but how do I carry out that? Well, I grow, carry it out in the growing, giving, and connecting in my life. Well, obviously, that has a whole lot to do with relationships in my life. 
And so go on to the next one. So Mark had this uh, relationship circle, the king, the self, family, church. We're going to talk about all, quickly all four of those today. Um, and it's, it's all in one circle. You can't get rid of, you know, you get rid of one, you have an empty hole. You get rid of the hole, you start getting a little circle. And that's, it's, it's, all, it's all the above. Go on to the next one. So go on to the next one. Relationship of the king. Uh, you know, I, I just thought about this in relationship to, I mean, even going back to Genesis. I mean, if you just think about it, I'm going to fly through this whole scenario. Think about all the ways that God desired relationships. Um, Get past there. Oh, right here. So think about this from creation. Here's a guy that could basically create anything he wanted. Had everything that he could possibly want to create, and he created what? Us. I mean, you think, obviously, he created creation so that we could have a place to stay. The heavens and the earth, it was good. Night and day, it was good. Third day, earth and seas, it was good. Sun, moon, and stars, it was good. The animals, it was good. Man, it was very good. Mm. You know, you go, you go through that scenario, all of a sudden at the seventh, sixth day, he said, I created man and woman, and it was very good. It was very good. Why? Because he created it. I mean, you think about the, God, even in his very creation, said, let us make man in what? The very desire, that he was, he's wanting to pass image and likeness into this world. That's where he created you. Now, but he didn't create that likeness and image just for you. It's for you to share and to declare into relationships around you. And so, uh, obviously, he created all the, um, in his own image, the image he created them. And so, just get that. Um, you think about, um, I mean, I think about, like, Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Joshua and Joseph. I mean, you just think of all these great men and women of the kingdom. Well, they had crazy, in, these crazy interactions with the Lord. Adam and Eve, what, they walked with the Lord. God has never, from the Old Testament all the way to Revelation, has never ceased to be, declare his heart for relationship with him. From the tabernacle, what did the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the, the, um, the fire, the cloud, the temple, what was all that for? So that he could just show a fireworks show or a nice little cloud hanging around the people of God in Israel? no. It was rad. He's wanting to come to earth to be with his people. Um, I mean, I love that. I mean, even Joshua, you know, he said, I'd rather sit at the tent, uh, of, I'd rather sit at the threshold of the, of the tent of, my, of God than to be, dwell out in the tents of wickedness. I mean, he, he, he knew the reality of that relationship. So I'm just calling us to that. We all know that. Um, but I think, you know, the warning that I give us is that sometimes it can become a very, very common thing. I mean, you think, about, you think about when Moses met with God, it was crazy radical, like cloud, fire. I mean, people were like scared to death, you know, to get out there. I mean, obviously, having a relationship with the Lord at that moment in time was very radical. They had to have their relationship through a priest to God, to God back to them through the priest. But then all of a sudden, Emmanuel shows up, a God that is what? With us. And then he goes to the cross. And then at the same time, the cross, the veil is torn. Uh-oh. What just happened? He just crossed the line. He says, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. There's, there's, there's a divide here. And I'm saying, now you can come into the what? Holy of holies. 
Now, the problem with that is that now we get the opportunity and privilege of being with God every day, having access to the Father every day. But guess what? You ever been with your spouse for a really long time and you start realizing your relationship has gotten common? You've been with your kids all day, every day, all day, and it becomes what? Common? You start, you know, and that's what God wants to reignite this morning. I think one of the steps that he's calling us to take this morning is a step back into relationship with him. Out of the common into the holy. Obviously, that was the message this morning through the word in Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. Obviously, it was the tongue and in the interpretation. I mean, it was just a call back to the holy. Back to drawing us our lives back to the holy. Not making it common anymore. Not making it, man, it's I gotta get five minutes in with the Lord today, and that's man. When we get to that place, you should, that should be like a red flag. Hey, <laughs> when you're having a problem, like this is a dread getting with the Lord, you should stop and ask God. I've made it common again. Make it holy. Make it holy again. And so, uh, flip on through those other scriptures. I'm gonna let Mark get up here to talk about family. Um, but oh yeah, and just the fact that when he went to the cross, not only was the veil torn, what happened? The Holy Spirit, holy moly, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, that, what is that? God in us, the Holy Spirit in us. I mean, God has never ceased to go on to the next one. Um, I love that. And then right after that, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's never his plan not to be with us. Um, go on. Um, and I just love these. The kingdom of God is at hand. What was he talking about? Himself. The kingdom, Jesus shows up on the scene. Next one is good, even a better one. Go on the next one. Uh, the kingdom of not, God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst, right standing right in front of you. And I think that God wants to bring us back to that place of the holy. The uncommon. Like, this, even when I come into worship, it shouldn't be about the songs that they're singing. I know I can get caught up into that. Y'all ever feel that? You start singing, you sometimes you, ah, oh, man, I really like that song. Man, why'd they do that song? Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not even about the songs, it's about the object of our worship. It's the, the, this, this is a place that, yeah, I mean, I, there's some songs that draw me some quickly into the presence of God. I enjoy those. But it doesn't really matter, should it? It should just be the fact that I get the privilege and honor of coming before the king, the, un, the, the holy. And where I've made the, that unholy, God's bringing us back to that place of holy. Relationship with him. Um, it's the backwards kingdom. Think about this. Uh, just a warning, right? Go on to the next one. You search the scriptures. But you, you know, this is He was talking to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. You know, we, we get that, you know, I've got to get in the Word, and I've got to, which, yeah, that's a great, op, great opportunity. Do it. Should. But why am I doing it? To come to a person, right? You think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me. So it's not about the Word is empowering us to come to Him. And the next one, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer what? 
I who live, but Christ lives in me. The unholy made holy in my life. All right? So that's the first, first step. And I'm going to let Mark take the other two. Kingdom relationship with self and with family. Unless we get into our mind, into our heart, into our being, our relationship with the king and what our king thinks about us, we will never have the right image of ourselves. Unless we get an understanding of how much love he has for us, how much he cares for us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That that grace that is available, that love that's available, we will try to be earning our, our identity somewhere else. Where do you get your identity from? I mean, think about it for yourself. I mean, what makes you feel like your identity? You ask, the, you ask most men, uh, you know, most men go up to other men and say, well, what do you do for a living? That's one of the first questions you ask, you know. And a lot of men get their identity from their, their job. And that's okay until your job goes down. It's not okay, but, it, <laughs> you know, you're feeling pretty good until that job goes to the wayside. You know, some people get it just from the images that society throws at us, and that is a poor way to live, especially if you look, get the images on TV, you know. And I don't know about you, but my problems don't get solved in a half an hour or an hour. And that's, what, <laughs> that's basically what we're getting taught, you know, that there's this instant gratification. There's this instant thing. You know, why hasn't God moved yet? <laughs> it's been 30 minutes since I prayed that. <laughs> you know, where is he? You know? And that's just not how life is. I, but as a child of the king, as a child of the king, then I have avenues available to me that no one else has. I'm God's child. I'm God's child. You know, my children, I'm not saying I'm a king, but, <laughs> but my children, when we're talking about relationships, they come to my house. They have access to my house. And I mean, at one time, all, all three of my children were overseas, you know, and I, but when they came back in, they're access to my house. They don't have to ask to go in the refrigerator. Joshua loves my chair. <laughs> You know, that I sit in, and he comes in and plops right down because it's comfortable to him. That's all right. I'm on down on the floor playing with his children. They have access. Do you understand that you have access to the king? I love history, you know. I really do. I used to teach it. I love medieval times. So if you, if you look at medieval stuff, and you know, now my wife enjoys it too. But she enjoys the costumes. She actually took me to a Renaissance fair last year, and I dressed up. And, boy, you can see it on my Facebook if you want to. But, it's, <laughs> but, but I like it because it makes me think historically. And if you look back historically, a good king, how, you, how people had to relate to a good king or a bad king was tremendously different. If, a bad, if there was a bad king, if there was somebody who was on the the, on the, that was ruling them, that was oppressive. They lived in fear. We were just talking about that. 
They lived in fear, never knowing when their property was taken, when they were put in jail. They lived, if they lived in a kingdom where there was a good king, a kind king, then there was a lot more freedom, if you read back in history. Well, we have a good king. And in and, and grabbing hold of that, who he is and how much he loves you will free your life. Psalm 139, 13. We just had the walk for life. For you were formed in your inward parts. Wove me, you wove me in my mother's womb. Can you understand that? That you were wove together. You mothers that have had babies and felt the baby growing. You know, the, the way the life is coming. You know, my mother didn't, um, she didn't weave or she didn't knit, but she crocheted. And the intricacies that she would do in crochet, I, was, I, I got amazed. You know, she makes these huge tablecloths. And I was like, wow. You know, I just look at all those little knots. And then you think of a human being and all the DNA that's in us and how he is knitting us together. He is putting us together. You are a creation of God. You are loved by the King. Matthew twenty-two thirty-five. One of the lawyers came up to Jesus and had a question testing him. Now, this wasn't, you know, you know the questions you get asked a lot of times. Some people ask you questions because they want to know. Some people ask you questions because they want to trap you. This guy was coming up to trap Jesus. So he says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the greatest one? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole uh, law and the prophets. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, a lot of us Christians, we got to admit, we got false humility. There's also, ah, oh, I'm just not that good. Yeah, I, I, I hear Christians saying this, you know. Oh, I'm just, you know, I hear, I, I'm talking to one guy in the, in the community that was talking about he had an accident. He said, oh, God's just beating me. We don't have that type of king. That's not the type of king we have. We got a king that loves us. And because of that love, if we receive that love, then we're actually, we will love ourselves. Now, that doesn't sound too humble, does it? Yeah. I used to really have a problem with it when I first became a Christian. I love myself. That's because I felt terrible about myself. And that word there is agape. That means unconditional. Can you say that you love yourself unconditionally? Right now. If I asked you that. Do you love yourself unconditionally? No matter if you make a mistake or not, do you still love yourself? Do you pick up yourself and say, okay, I made a mistake, but I'm loved by God. I love myself. Because God made this person. I can't always say that. I speak too many negative words to myself, and my wife corrects me correctly. <laughs> it's the right way. But unless we understand the love that we have received, and not only receive it, but put it back on ourselves, we will not be able to love other people around us. Because we'll see them with the same bitterness we see ourselves sometimes. 
with the same judgments that we see ourselves at. Not as God's child, not as a, a loving child of the king, but as somebody who just got to work it until he gets it. I have been crucified, Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for his righteousness comes through the law. Then Christ died needlessly. If you're trying to, get yourself up to a point that you are good enough for yourself to accept. Did you hear what that? For yourself to accept. Because God has already loved you. He has already died for you. His grace is there for you. Is, do you have grace for yourself? I've, I've been trying to work at this over the last, I don't know, 10 years. Because that was, that was really hard for me. To sit there and, and when I make a mistake, saying, shake it off and say, God, yeah, I made a mistake. Pick it up. Keep going. Because I'm loved. That security. It's security in that. If you can grab hold of it. That security allows you to live life in a whole new way. That you don't have to come in and you're thinking so badly about yourself that you're grumpy with other people. We get so upset about ourselves, we, we really get grumpy with other people. Uh, a lot of the arguments that uh, I have to fix with couples is usually I have to fix the person who's <laughs> upset themselves and they're projecting it upon their wife or husband. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, yeah, really. They're feeling so bad about themselves, wife, wife says something to them, and then they snap back, you know. And it's really not about their spouse, it's about them. Romans 12, 1, therefore, and 1 through 3, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the what? Mercies of God. To present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, I want to point something out before I go on. This is one of my favorite passages, and I could preach ten sermons on it. But to, I see a lot of people, and myself included sometimes, who try to present myself as a living sacrifice without understanding it's only by the mercies of God. It's the only way I can do it. Because if I don't, then I'm just, I'm just trying to put law on myself. I'm just trying to put these things on myself, trying to live this life in a way that I can make myself pleased. Not God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. For, for, uh, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each measure of faith, to each measure of faith. Now, one version that has that is said, don't think more highly of yourself, but think of yourself with sober judgment. We, had, we were talking about agape up here, and region guys can probably think about this, I know. 
I would like to say I just know from talking to people, but I know <laughs> that when you're not sober, you can think all kinds of things. You know, you, can, you, you get kind of brave sometimes. Foolishly brave. Foolishly brave. And this is trying to say to think of yourself with sound judgments, not more highly than you are, but also does not say that you're supposed to think more lowly than you are. It does not say that. We think if we try to humble ourselves and talk bad of ourselves, that somehow we're being humble and God's going to raise it. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Think of yourself as that child of God. You know, he talks about uh, not to be conformed to this world. We talked about where you get your identity. Well, it says to be transformed by renewing a mind. Metamorphosis. It's where, like a chrysalis, you know, the, becomes a butterfly inside and busts out. A moth in a cocoon. And as you're taking these things in, as you're understanding who God is, and I can take that into myself and say, that's my identity. That's my identity. Not the mistakes I made. But what God thinks of me. And I take that on myself. You know, I'm not saying, you know, well, don't worry about what you do like this. No, surely not. Paul said that. He doesn't give us liberty so we can do the things that hurt us or other people. But if we have understanding our identity, we will not want to do those things because we'll understand the love that has been poured out into our lives. Let's go on to family relationships. Now, family to me, you know, the reason we're going, we have four up here today. We have with the king, with ourselves, and with the family, and with the um, with the church, there is another one that's with the world, but we're going to do a series here later in the summer, early fall, about giving, and we're going to talk about that relationship with the world. So just saying there's, there's other layer here. Um, but when we think about the family, and, why, and I'm not going to say too much because I'll mess up his part of the sermon <laughs> with the church because there's a lot of relationship between the our relationship in the family and with the church, but Family is where you can let your hair down. Not necessarily where you can, but where you do. Where people see you at your raw self. Yeah? Uh, Amy, I'm going to use your example, but it's okay. It's when you were two years old. Okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, they used to have these children's stories in church, and, and Amy would go front, you know, and they'd be doing this. Uh, these children's stories. I remember them asking if they had any questions or anything to say one time. She was only two years old. She says, yes, my mommy and daddy, when they started out like that, you know you're in trouble. (laughs) Because your kids know everything about you. Your wife knows everything about you. And it's like, oh, Lord. (laughs) What are they going to say? She was okay. She didn't embarrass too much. (laughs) You love you too, honey. Now that they're older, you can tell stories on the opposite. So, you know. now, it's, it's where we get real in our, in our homes. It's where people, it's, it's where the, whatever's in our heart usually comes out. 
if we're being real, if people have grown into that. You know, as a family, when you think of family and the love of family and the love that's in there, you're thinking about more unconditional love than anywhere else. Now, some of you have been hurt in your homes. You know, you know I know you probably didn't. Some of you did, were not raised in a situation where you understood that love in your home. You know, and so there are other ways you can discover that, like in the church, and Mitch will get to that. And we'd be glad to pray with you because I know it hurts, you know. Uh, I know it hurts because a lot of our identity, going back to identity, comes from how we were raised in our homes. And, you know, I, I was taking a, a prayer counseling course one time in, in this school, and, and there was three of us, they broke three, three of us together, and they kept talking about all these things you can pray through people with, and a lot of it was about their past, and the three of us got together, and we just looked and I said, Lord, what are our children going to be praying about 20 years from now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the mistakes we made, they had to work through. You know, it's just no perfect home, and we have to work through these things. But again, there's where grace and love comes from. You know, we, uh, didn't get the... You know, when we just got back from Australia, going to see our son Daniel, and we talked about that before we left. Uh, it's really called a missioncation, and it was. It was the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life, Australia. I mean, just the places we saw. I just I've never seen such beauty in my life. It could, at times, it was more spiritually intense than I've ever had in my life, but I had the peace of God throughout. But one of the things that happened that you didn't know about by looking at my pictures on Facebook is we were in a car wreck. We were not only in a car wreck, we were on the interstate when a tractor trailer hit us. And I didn't want to put it on, I didn't want to put it on Facebook because people might have gone, just like some of you did, oh no. You know, we were, we were on the interstate and Jason was driving and we were in the right lane. Of course, they drive on the different side of the car we do. But we're, 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 on the side, and there's a tractor trailer on this side of us, and we're about halfway up on the tractor trailer. And there's a, this concrete wall right here. And all of a sudden, the tractor trailer starts coming over. No signal light, anything. And Jason's hitting his horn, hitting his horn, hitting his brakes. And we're sitting there saying, and so Jason's on this side. He's driving. Marty's behind him. Daniel's behind me. And I sit there, I knew there is nothing I could do. You know, I want to grab the wheel, but there's nothing in front of me, you know. And I'm glad I didn't grab the wheel because I don't know what would happen. But as, we're, as it's going on, the only thing I could do was pray. I mean, that's it. So I sit there, I know you look straight ahead because if you look sideways, you can whip your neck around. Done that before, you know. So I'm looking straight ahead, and I'm just praying. And I'm thinking about, Jason and Marty on that side and say, please, Lord, don't let us hit that wall and hurt them. You know, because my wife over there, and I'm praying for Jason's salvation. Please don't hit that side. And then, Lord, Daniel sit beside me, behind me. Lord, please take care of him. You know, and when the tractor trailer hit us, it only hit us in one spot. It hit, I forgot to pray for myself because it hit where I was sitting. Seriously. I was like, okay, Lord, I'll remember next. <laughs> Take care of me too, okay? Nobody was hurt. We got hit by a tractor trailer going 60 miles per hour on the interstate. It was a low boy, 
for y'all know that, so a truck can climb on it. If it was regular height, it would come through my windshield. It hit me in the side of the door. Jesus. But what were my thoughts? Just like your heavenly Father's thoughts. He thinks about you. I was thinking about my, my children, my wife, you know, Jason, who I, was, I care about, you know, wanting to see come to know the Lord. That's what I was thinking about. You know, that's what happens in a family. You learn that love, a good family. Amen? Now, I want to read this passage, and then I'll turn it over to Mitch. It's Romans 19.3. You know, we, we have a lot of discussions about, um, about marriage nowadays, and we shouldn't. Well, I'm not going to get into it because it's, it's intense, and we've got to be praying. We've got to really talk as a church at some point about how we witness to this world in this situation. But here Jesus is talking about marriage. And he says, some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Now, they, they were pretty free. Men had a lot of freedom back then to divorce their, their wives if they got irritated with them. And he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they no longer, they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And they said to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another, another woman commits adultery. The next verse is very interesting. The disciples said to him, if the relationship of the man and wife is like this, is it better not to marry? I'm sorry, I laugh at that. <laughs> I'm not making them laugh at a marriage. It's just they're getting down to it, and they hear how, that they can't divorce her freely, and they're sitting there saying, boy, that's tough. <laughs> you, you, you mean I got to live with her forever? Gosh, no matter what she does, I mean, if she's not a good cook, well, you know, I mean, really, I could have divorced her for that. Hey, what is going on here? You know, that's hard. That's what they're saying. Oh, yeah, it's hard. As part of marriage council, we tell people, if you don't think marriage is work, then don't get married. Because <laughs> you'll be working on it. You'll be working on it forever. Um, yeah, I think, I think of uh, Margie and I, you know, and um, you know, I put something on Facebook. I got it from Angela Caldwell. It says, don't marry a princess who needs rescuing. Marry a queen. Who can rule with you? I love that. And that was what I was looking for in a wife. I didn't want somebody I just had to take care of all the time to make myself feel good. I want somebody who would stand with me and walk in this life. Now, Margie will stand with me. She also, I want somebody that can tell me what she really thinks. And so I didn't have to guess about it. I got that too. <laughs> if I don't know, I know it. Don't ask her. 
I learned to stop asking, did you enjoy my sermon? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> our personalities are so different. You know, we get personality tests when we do pre-marriage counseling and uh, marriage counseling. We don't do it. It's amazing, though, all the, a lot of guys say, don't put me in a box. <laughs> so, I'm not going to put you in a box. But <laughs> we're just trying to take a, it's like a snapshot. We're going to just help people communicate. That's what we're doing. Mark, according to, and I, don't, I said, do not read their descriptions of the, I sent them to a page where I can take the test. I said, don't read those descriptions. Because their descriptions of Mark and I said, we should have never got married. And I'm sitting there saying, I cannot imagine being married to anybody else. And yeah, it's taken work for us to communicate with each other. But that's where we learn about the love of God. That's it. There's no other place I'd rather be than being able to walk in truth with the person I love. And we learn. And we are completely different almost. When we take love language tests, her highest is my lowest. My highest is her lowest. And so we have to work at that. She's sitting there doing acts of service to show me love. And I like words of affirmation. And that's so hard for her. Then on the flip side, I'm telling you, oh, honey, you're beautiful. You're such a great wife. She said, just wash the dishes. (laughs) We learn a lot about love in our homes that we can't learn anywhere else. Mitch. Um, and the last one, really, it kind of goes along with the family because, I mean, a lot of you guys that know Dwelling Place, I mean, our heart desire is that when we come together as a body, that really it represents that we're coming together as a family, that this is the family room of, of God for us. You know, because, you know, if, if church ever becomes a place where I just come, a building that I just come to, you know, sing some songs and, and hear a good message, and uh, or hear whatever kind of message, you know. But the reality is, if I, if that ever becomes it, it's the same thing. I need to start that red. This should be a red flag. I mean, it's really about us. It's about us interacting, walking with one another. Doesn't mean that we'll all walk at the same level of relationship with one another, but it does mean that we should all walk in relationship with one another. Uh, you know, I think about the two scriptures that I have for uh, for the body. Um, well, even just from the beginning, uh, Genesis, I think I threw that up there. You know, it's not good for man to be alone. So, of course, he creates the, uh, all the um, animals, and then, of course, he still comes to the fact that what? There's not a suitable helpmate, a relationship, a, a someone that I can walk alongside with. You know, so he makes, of course, Eve at that point. I think I put that in there. Yeah, Lord God fashioned, um, but at, for Adam there was not found a helper suitable. So, of course, he created woman. But I, I really believe that that was, obviously, that was, yeah, for, for marriage, but I think it's, I mean, that's the very creation. That's really what, from the get-go, it was supposed to be about relationship, because we're not good isolated. We're not good on our own. Anybody ever, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I, when I get by myself, I, I start going downhill. Uh, and when isolated, doesn't mean you can't spend time <laughs> with just you and the Lord and but isolated, that's a whole different ballgame. And so the Lord is just really calling us out uh, into relationship. And, and the other two scriptures I had in, in that, flip on to that um, Ephesians passage, I think I have up there. 
Yeah, he put all things in subjunction under his feet and gave him his head over the things to the church, which is what? His body. I mean, you've got to realize, once again, you've got to get the identity not only in yourself, which he talked about, but you also have to have an identity that you're the body of Christ, that you're the bride. And as a part of the bride, we've got to walk one another. We're, we're all part of that bride part. And so I love that. I mean, we always talk about it in marriage council, that Ephesians 5, you know, where he talks about, you know, um, I want to actually read that. Um, except I don't know. There's no. I mean, I, lo- I love this facet of, of the challenge in marriage. And, of course, this is grace. This, this can only be done in grace. Um, I should stop talking and turn because I can never think of where I'm going while I'm talking. Um, you know, I love this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the what? Church. I mean, that's what, he starts that out with the, the, the church and the bride, and that he might sanctify the church, the bride, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in what? All her glory. Having no spot, no wrinkle, no any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. So also, husbands love your wives. I mean, there's a beautiful picture of, do you think God has a whole lot to do with the bride of Christ? I mean, that's his goal, is to sanctify us, purify us as a bride. And that takes, that's not going to take, that's not an overnight thing, that's not a 30-minute, man, we prayed about it, and we're good to go. But it is that, I think it's the call, it's the corporate call, um, Tammy, I think before she left, I don't see her, maybe she's doing uh, middle school, but Tammy said that there was a corporate call to step today. And it really, it's a, it's a place where we've got to step together as a body into a uh, relationship. And I think a lot of, you know, dwelling place over the years has been really great at ministry-driven relationship because I believe 100% if somebody comes through that door, they have the opportunity to be ministered to, encouraged, built up, loved on. Uh, I mean, as long, I mean if, if you take a step, you'll be met with the incredible love of the kingdom. I really believe that. I think the next framework that God's building in this whole connection thing is relationships that are built on family, not just crisis ministry-driven relationship. Because ministry-driven relationship, you always have to keep having a what? Crisis to be in relationship. That's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to be in relationship day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. It's not a, it's not a, quick, it's not a quick, easy fix in that. That's a framework that God's building, I believe, in the body to empower us. And we're not there yet, so please continue to bear with us. I always tell people, if they're looking for the perfect church, they probably should keep going down the street because <laughs> we're not it. Now, we are perfect in Him, but obviously we have some ways to grow. And connections is a one of those things that we need to grow in as a body. But I look, because, I mean, this next scripture is huge, Ephesians 4. Um, but, no, sorry, going back to that Ephesians. He gave, which is his body, the fullness of what? Him who fills all in all. You are, this body, body of Christ as a whole, but this body is fullness. There's fullness in it. God created it to hold fullness. Now we got to get to, you know, we got to get to that in relationship to how to relate to one another. And that's why we're just starting this conversation this morning. But even think about this Ephesians 4 passage. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, craftiness, and deceitful scheming. So how are you not going to be carried away? 
Because this is a day and age where a lot of people will be carried away. I mean, even at the end of the age, at the, when I'm not a big, I don't have a prelim limb, all those, <laughs> all, all those pre-mids and all those, I don't have a crazy, crazy theology on all that. But I do know that at the end of the time, there will be a falling away. Uh, they, uh, uh, they grab a love for the world, not for him. So there's a great falling away. So how am I not going to be pulled into that? How, I mean, we can all say that, oh, of course, I won't. But how am I not going to? Because it says, uh, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there. Do you ever feel tossed here and there by the waves of the world? I do. So I don't want to be that. I don't want to walk in that. By every wind of doctrine, by the trickery men, craftiness. But this is how we do it. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Christ. Who, uh, sorry, into him, Father, who is the head. Even Christ from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which, what? A few joints in the whole body provide, right? Every joint, every joint supplies, every single ligament, every single, I mean, I, this whole week, this whole past week, I, uh, my, I was, uh, Monday morning, I was paint, I was painting for my brother, and somehow I just, I saw a spot down there, and I went down there with the roller, and all of a sudden, my back just popped right down there at the, the base, and I'm like, man, that's a really important part of that body, evidently, <laughs> because that part of the body directs the rest of the week. I mean, it did. I, I mean, I couldn't do anything without, like, excruciating pain. You know, it got better throughout the week. And thank the Lord I can stand up here and not, I can feel it right up in here. But I, I know that the Lord <laughs> brought some healing into that. But it's amazing how that little piece of the body affected the rest. Well, why? It's because it's important. Very important. All of us are important. So, you know, just crazy. I just want to encourage you that the body of Christ, Connecting in relationship. It's huge because there's fullness here. Okay? Anytime I get to a place where I don't want to be in the body, red flag. Now, obviously, it goes back to what Mark said. There's times where I've gotten hurt by the body. I've had, I have uh, frustration with <laughs> relationships. But any family is going to have that. Right? If I want to be a part of a family, then I have to also have that. Right? So there's a facet that God wants to walk us through those things. And we, if we're willing to do that, man, the, the result on the other side is huge. And can I just give you these last two warnings real quick? Um, I know we're out of time and we need to get to our kids. But the kingdom relationships, you have to move past commandment. Obviously, wouldn't it be a tragedy if Leah uh, only knew that I loved her because I was commanded to love her three times in the Bible, <laughs> to love her? I mean, wouldn't that be... I mean, I don't know about you women, but you like your husband to love you only because he's commanded to love you? Obviously, maybe you would hope that he would at least take that initiative, but, but the reality is that but the reality is, is that if that's if commands are only the basis of love, we're gonna be in trouble. Like if I if you're just hearing me today say you're commanded to love one another in the body, or you're commanded to connect in the body, if if that's just a command. It will be a duty. It will be a drudgery sometimes. It will be something that I have to do. But it, as a, the facet, if you can get it past command, the command and know that that's the call of your life, obviously it will be fruitful. Um, 
You know, I was thinking about that relationship, uh, this Mark 12 passage. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that, that he answered them and said, asked him, what command is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, Hear, O Israel, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Right? Command. Second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Command. Right? Two greatest commands. We already heard that. But the crazy thing is that that, that is a command from the Lord. Okay? We should walk in that. But God, I don't think, ever wanted us to stop with that. And it's really interesting. I never have seen this in Scripture ever before I read this Scripture this week. Watch the next part. The scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is, the, he is one and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Right? Because burnt offerings and sacrifices is because you blew it. You know, that's why, that's why he needed it. He wanted us to love God with all our strength and mind. Of course, this is a scribe now. He, he really hasn't, I don't think he's given over in the fullness of relationship with, with Christ. And notice the next statement. I've never seen this. When Jesus saw that, he answered intelligently. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I've never seen that before. You're not far from the kingdom of God. You know why I think he's not far from the kingdom of God? Because he has the commandment. He needs the relationship with the commandment. He needs to go one step further. He has to actually take the steps that we were talking about this morning. Take the steps into relationship. And so it's just a really interesting statement because we've been talking about the kingdom of God and I had never seen it in that context. You know, he's not far from that. Of course, after that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. <laughs> you know, don't want to get any more of those type of answers, right? You know, because sometimes that puts the responsibility back on us. But sometimes we, we want either the church to come fix all our relationships or somebody, you know, the counselor to fix all our relationships, but there's steps that God's empowering us to take to begin that process. Obviously, the church wants to help. Obviously, counseling and people in our lives want to help, but that takes that step. And the last, the last little part was just kingdom relationships must be exercised. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. On the other hand, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but what? Godliness is profitable for all things. And it, uh, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the next. And so it's not about just this life. These relationships, if they're just for this life, we're missing a part of that. It's for the, this life and the life to come. And the cool part, of, the interesting part about that I was thinking of this exercising, because we've been doing um, a lot, of, we've been doing exercising, and that was very frustrating this week. I couldn't, I couldn't do any exercising. Um, I went one day to stretch, and then I think I made my back angry. So <laughs> I was like, okay, my back is an angry back now. And so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll lay off that. But it was amazing. After two, I had ACL surgery on my knee twice. And it was amazing. Only after, I mean, I was 36. 30, 32 years old when that happened. I'm serious. So I, I had used this muscle, my right leg, I had used it for 32 years. 32 years. And within three weeks, you could, I mean, if I sat right here, you could tell a noticeable difference how that muscle was like atrophied. I was like, that's remarkable. I'm like, that stinks. That's 32 years of sewing into that leg. 
Not that I did a whole lot of exercising, but sewed into that leg for 32 years, and within three weeks, atrophied. And then it took weeks and weeks and weeks to get that thing back to where it looked the same. And, and I think sometimes in our relationships, sometimes we, get, we can get frustrated as we're walking through this because we think relationships are, you know, they're going to happen overnight or they're going to, uh, you know, when something I haven't used for a while and it's atrophied, maybe my relationship meter I have, or my relationship muscle of life uh, in, in this area, you know, it's just, it hasn't, I haven't worked it. I haven't walked in relationship and, in a certain area. Maybe it's a relationship with family. Maybe it's a relationship in the body, whatever that looks like. And it's atrophied. And the Lord's saying, begin to exercise again. Begin to take the step that God was talking about today. That's, that's the first part of the exercising, that, that, that regimen. So I just encourage you in that. Um, because I, I felt like there was, there was one this. Um, oh, yeah. Let me share it in, this, in closing. It's really interesting. I, I remember, you know, the revelation that, you know, for Leah and I, uh, the re- revelation that I was this, I had walked in this ministry and I had been walking in ministry for a while, but it was amazing. The, I could pray for anybody that came forward. I could pray for them. I mean, I wouldn't hesitate to pray for, you know, Joe Schmo out on the street, or not on the street, but anybody in here? Nobody's name's Joe Schmo, are they? <laughs> I always get <laughs> I always say that, and then I'm thinking, man, what if somebody's name was Joe Schmo? <laughs> so, but, <laughs> sorry, that was just my, just my weird brain working. But I could, I could pray for Joe Schmo, and the reality is, is that, you know, what the one person that I could not pray for that was very awkward? My wife, Leah. So years into ministry, and I can pray for everybody under the sun, but I cannot pray for the very, the closest person in my life. Can you say, never use that muscle in my life, never use that relationship to pray? And all of a sudden, guess what? Was it easy to start that? Absolutely not. It was very awkward. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, how can that be? How can it be so awkward to start just, just praying for my wife? Well, it was. And I'm in ministry, okay? It's not like I have problems praying. You know, four people. You know, but the reality was is that God started doing that. And you know what the the best thing about our marriage today is? Us being able to pray for one another. So obviously there was a facet of our relationship that we had never exercised and worked on. But all of a sudden when we did, we realized what we didn't have. Anybody ever started? I remember a lot of times I hear people say, man, I started exercising and I didn't realize how bad I was feeling. Because you just, you just know your body has it is minus the exercise. Well, we know a lot of our relationships minus the relationship part. You know, so God's calling us back into that, taking steps today. And so I just want to uh, end with that because I think God really wants to begin to spark steps that you can take. We're, gonna, we're trying to do that as a church, begin to framework some connection and some relationship opportunities. But God wants to begin that in you. On a, on a very individual base so that you can begin to empower us in relationship to the corporate. And I think we need to take steps in relationship to the corporate, but a lot of it's going to also depend on our heart and our life and how we're walking in that too. All right? So I know it's late, so we're going to... Um, uh, Amy or somebody, can you get... Can you all just pray or play? 
Uh, can we just stand? Oh, do you have anything? Um, if I can have some of the, the also the prayer team up here um, as we close. This will just be, I'm just going to pray and close out. But I, I really think there's a, a call. Like I said, it's, 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 it's you and the Lord. Maybe it's a step you need to come step and just pray for an area of relationship with God, an area of relationship with yourself. Maybe you can't love others because you haven't really ever been able to love yourself. Obviously, that's the reason you need to love yourself, empowered you to love others. God did an amazing, y'all have heard my testimony, God did an amazing work in that area for me. Uh, maybe it's in relationship to your family, maybe it's in relationship to the body of Christ. If any of those areas are breakdowns, you need to come and, and grab an area, grab somebody and just get them to agree. Just begin, maybe that's a step. All right, God, I'm agreeing today that you're going to begin to do a work in those areas of relationship for me and for my family. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe y'all can pray right there in the, in the seats. Whatever that is, maybe you can come up together. Maybe it's a, a sister and brother. You need to come up and walk in that. So I'm going to pray over us and just ask the Lord to do that, all right? So, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. I know it's gone late. And I, I do pray, though, that, God, you would just begin to put it on our hearts. Lord, I know that for me that was, a, that was crazy in my life that I could, I could do all the relationship stuff out there and I couldn't do it in my own family, in my own wife, with my own wife. And so, Lord, I, I know that there's scenarios everywhere, God, where we need to walk in kingdom relationship, the upside down kingdom, the inside-out kingdom of relationship where sometimes they don't always make sense and they don't always go the way we think they should go. But God, you have, you have given us the bride of Christ, the, the body of Christ to walk with. You've given us family to walk with. You've given us our very self to walk with you and, you and us, Lord. So Lord, I just pray if any of those areas, there's breakdown in them or maybe there's a facet that we've, we've lived in commandment and not real relationship. Maybe we've uh, gotten to that place where we just haven't exercised in a while and we just need to re-engage the holy in relationship to you. We need to re-engage our lives that you are holy, that you are well and, and you are incredible. God, you're awesome and power, Lord, but you are holy. You're set apart. Maybe we need to get back to that place with our relationship with you. And, and Father, maybe some relationships with others that get back to the holy, get back to that place of divine relationship with one another. So, Lord, I pray for that this morning. And if anyone needs this prayer this morning, they can come find it here on, the, on this laminate. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that and bless you. And I just release these men and women, these children of the kingdom, to be empowered in their relationships with one another. To see, I'm just believing for breakthrough in those relationships, kingdom relationships. We're asking for it. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So I'm just going to...